And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. All right, it's your August edition of Entitled Town. Uh, welcome back, everybody. My name is Mike Irons. We have the, the full crew here this week. Uh, thanks to the Entitled Weekend guys, uh, they gave us the motivation as we needed to get in front of our collective microphones. Um, it is, if, if you're getting the sense that it's Groundhog Day with the Patriots media, and, you know, I got I to gotta hand this to the Patriots media. They do one thing for Patriots fans. They put hate in your heart. So this offensive coordinator narrative is absolute. the play call narrative more specifically is if it's familiar to you, it's because we went through the same nonsense uh, in the past couple of years with Gerard Mayo and uh, Michael Anthony Basis from Van Halen lookalike, Steve Belichick. Uh, I think the fervor has been turned up to 11 uh, over this, the, this media groupthink nonsense over the, the offensive play caller. I would argue it has a lot to do with the media's collective dislike, Dan, of Matt Patricia in particular. But am I the only one that thinks that this is overly absurd and this is something we won't be talking about in three weeks no you're not alone i i, I don't understand why this is such but dan cut out so i'll throw it i'll throw it over to you mike what what's your uh, your view from thirty thousand feet on this uh yeah i think that you know i agree with you they don't it's kind of a double whammy of the old bill by proxy thing and but this is not even by proxy really this is directly bill um and it's you know, it's it's first about him, but there is a special piece of it because they hate Patricia so much. Yes, and they don't they don't like him because I he's I got is he condescending to them? I guess is is what the deal is. And so yeah, you know you know Curran like a guy like Curran hates hates Patricia because yes, Patricia right. doesn't like him. Um, so it, yeah, th that makes sense. But I, I do think that um, you know it's it is different than it has been in the past. But just the idea to me that two guys that were NFL head coaches couldn't call plays uh, on a, the other side of, or, you know, judge really hasn't called plays at this level in the, in the strictest sense. Um, so yeah, they, they can't call plays. They haven't been around this, especially this organization. I feel like, give me a break. There, there's no reason um, to think that. And I, I don't care. I don't care who's doing it. I don't, it just doesn't, it doesn't interest me all that much. I think, I think current stumbled on the, onto a good point in that, you know, it's, it does feel like maybe it is pointing towards some point they want judge to take over and take and, you know, Patricia to kind of step back into that um, Swiss army knife role. But, uh, and then of course he proceeded the shit all over himself and, uh, you know, <laughs> fist his own asshole. So yeah, but yeah, it's, it's a shit show and it, it always is. And this is there, this is the, the thing of the summer. Mark Daniels wants you to know, wants everybody to know sick humble brag that he got, 10,000 clicks on his story today about the offensive play call. And I did Pete Carroll gift Pete Carroll <laughs> top hat gift. My God. Uh, I do. I did get a text from Dave Brown about 10 minutes after that saying 30, 30 grand clicks was a slow day for Dave. So good job. Good effort. Mark Daniels. Scartsy, how much of this is just passive aggression as Mike alluded to over the media's collective dislike of Belichick. It's really passive aggressive. It, that's entirely it. And I'm, I'm mighty surprised at, uh, how much, uh, how much McDaniels has been, uh, rehabilitated DFI. through all this. 
Oh, exactly. This was this was that dummy, you know, failed coach, drafted Tebow, and, and now he's, you know, absolutely irreplaceable. He's Don Coriel now that he's gone. Uh, Dan, you cut out there. Um, you dialed back on the AOL's fired up. So what were your thoughts regarding uh, this, the brouhaha over the offensive play caller? I knew where I left off, but uh, just the same things you were saying. It's uh, the uh, uh, Patricia judge, which failed head coach do they want to blame? They want to blame somebody. So uh, just give us a name now so we can start prepping those stories. Yeah, the, the knives are being sharpened. John, you threatened to stick a fork into your eye over the discussion of your offensive play caller. So I uh, seeing that you're in your card, uh, is this something you want to chime in on? <laughs> you know, I'll just say, I, you mentioned Daniels and I guess I'm in the role of Mark Daniels. Everything's been said that needs to be said. So I'll <laughs> weigh in with my, my story today on the same story that everybody's been writing for the last two months about the play calling. And, you know, your, your point is, is, you know, the points you're all making is just very well taken. It's, it's a boring story. There's nothing else to talk about in the absence of good content, you know, dumb content will be conjured. And, you know, the fact that they're still writing about it when there's so many more interesting angles to write about, I mean, hell, Bill Belichick's favorite punter of all time is in camp competing against the Patriots this week. And nobody wants to write about that. I mean, come on, give me anything, anything except this stupid make-believe story about play calling. Yeah. The, there is a, the, the media, the group think in that media I mean, I was actually asked a question of a buddy of mine earlier back home, John. I said, if Mike Reese is the gold, is the gold medalist for Patriots coverage, is there a silver medalist? Is anyone else medal compared to Reese? Ahead, give me, uh, I was going to say, give me, give me um, I think Megan Ottolini and Nora Princiati have had the best <laughs> tweets I've seen on the Patriots in the last week outside of anything that Reese has put out. And that's no lie. That's no vouch. But that's no lie. I mean, it's just you are really it's like everybody is Angola in the 1992 basketball Olympics compared to Reese. I did like the collective face palm that we all did when you mentioned Megan Otto. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to put that tweet in the group feed and you can let it stand on its own merits. It was pro Taekwon Thompson. That's what I remember. Anything good from from Tanya Ray Fox, John? Uh, no, her, her as I think I said on Twitter, her camp are her camp takes her dumbest takes caller. You know, it, it's, it's she's it's just stupid yeah, season. This, yeah, it's it's all it's endemic to the business. I'm afraid. You and know, you know he, this is this is when print is dead. You know, I mean, the, the sad thing about Daniels is he he probably looks at ten thousand clicks, and to the degree to which he has bosses or editors at at the gannet you know, industrial complex, God only knows. Right. But, but, you know, it's like, well, it's 10,000 easy clicks instead of having to be creative, knowing that like, I guess that's the, that's the metric for success. Right. You know, I, Hey, I got 10,000 clicks boss. Like life is good. Right. Like, I mean, I guess. I like, I like that the the idea that um, he thought that, you know, far be it from us to, uh, cast stones here about timely references, but true detective is not exactly, is that a, like a cultural touchstone at the, at the moment? Like what the fuck was that? I guess, well, I guess uh, the Rockford files was just a little bit too outdated. <laughs> right. we're, 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 we're the, we're the Mr. Furley versus Mr. Roper crew. Right, so right. I don't, yeah. I don't <laughs> Team Roper, obviously Mike, the adjudication of training camp on a play by play basis the thing, the one of the things that made me laugh hardest in the last few days was Patriots reporters breathlessly reporting that Matthew Judon had left the field 
Judon tweeted that, yeah, he left the field. He had to piss. And it just the adjudication of the offense two weeks ago, the offense wasn't going to get a first down until November. And now the narrative is, is the defenses might be good. Yeah. That the, not knowing what they're doing in these, in those early practices, right? Like what, what are they trying to accomplish with these outside zone runs? What's the call? What is, you know, the defense knows what's coming and sure. You'd like to see them not uh, step on their dick, but what, what are they trying to accomplish with, with that thing that with that rep that they're trying to do there? Uh, you know, certainly they're not trying to go backwards and have, you know, the, the, tackle false start but uh i think just having you have to take that with a grain of salt that's always kind of the thing back when i remember arguing with people uh in in 2008 when um brady went down that week uh saying like castle's gonna be terrible he looked terrible in preseason well you gotta like take you gotta figure out what the context is and it's a context-free uh analysis when you're going up uh, every play or oh, the Patriots are, you know, this guy's beating this guy in one-on-ones. Like I really, th- th- that is the, the lowest form of, of, of analysis and, and preseason brings it out um, like, like nothing else. Agreed. John, I thought it was interesting uh, with the Panthers in town for joint practices this week. It was nice to see the Panthers linebacker, Brian Burns had recovered from Mac Jones's a uh, Kurt ankle ankle lock on him last year during the uh, Carolina Patriots game. That was probably one of the stupidest things from last season, the, the outcry uh, from a, a grown, you know, enormously large athletic man about Mac Jones trying to dare trying to tackle him as he goes for a loose ball. So, yeah, it's I mean, I, I, I put something on Twitter on this. There was a bunch of people making the same sort of joke around, you know, Bret Hart with a sharpshooter, um, you know, on, on Brian Burns. Right. So. You know, hey, more power to him. The dude, uh, the dude bounced back from that harrowing act, and you know, Mac Mac Jones will forever be known as a dirty player for daring to make a play on a loose ball. Scarcy, I like uh, I like uh, quarterbacks that uh, make a play on a loose ball like that. Not to talk about any uh, previous uh, Patriots or uh, Carolina quarterbacks or anything along those lines. <laughs> that he who shall not be named. I'm going to bounce, pass it back to you, Scartelli. This I'm is- pretty, you know, after watching the uh, the uh, Vegas game, I'm pretty sure Stidzy could have gotten us to uh, 10 and 6 that season. <laughs> now, now, now I'm mad. Retroactively mad. Scartelli, does any of this move the, the needle? The training camp coverage move the needle out of you? I, I listen, I'm trying to, I'm going to take a, a page or suggestion from Bill Belichick. I'm just going to try to ignore the noise. It's it's all it's all Rashomon. It's all this uh, this guy on one side of the field sees this happening, and then he reports it, and then someone reports something entirely contradictory on the other side, and everyone has to try and you know try and figure out which is mm-hmm. which, what what actually happened with regard to that. It's like it 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 gets the uh, Twitter clicks, and it goes lets you go to the uh, let you go to the five minute uh, sports segment on uh, ten thirty. But it's it's like you say it's it's the stupid season. It's you know it's shark attacks and uh, Chandra Levy and this sort of nonsense. <laughs> you can set you can set your watch by Curran and Bedard t- uh, tweeting early in practice that the energy level is down. They're not playing well, and then the general <laughs> consensus when things are over is like, wow, that what they had the de- defense had their best practice of the season. The intensity. Oh yeah, was there, there was a uh, there was a scuffle today. Apparently, there was a uh, Donald Brook. 
yeah, you saw all the uh, the smooth brains and Patriots media <laughs> tweeting out "fight" like uh, the, the copyright Albert Breer, nineteen ninety seven yeah. to current. All right, I'm going to. Uh, all right, so Patriots training camp coverage terrible. Okay, the McLaughlin group, the chairs are all in a row. Uh, Dan, go ahead. Uh, Mike Anruwan brought up something. He brought up the two thousand eight um, camp, and that reminded me how. During that camp, we were watching the quarterback, the backup quarterback battle between it was between Castle and was it Matt Gutierrez? Gutierrez, yep. yep. And, and and I think a bunch of us thought Gutierrez outplayed him. So it kind of shows how useless the the layman observations are of, of training camp. No, agreed. And, and you know, Matt Castle, you know, was a seventh round pick, did not start in college. He played a dozen years in the NFL. So it's again an, another example of it's uh, the Zach Sudfeld kind of thing, <laughs> right. All right. Old pal Sudsy there who had a great, uh, great training camp as a uh, tight end and then did nothing. Who'd you like better, Scarzi? Studsy or uh, Skidzy? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Definitely Sudsy. He was going to, he was going to, you know, set records. That goes without saying. All right, Mike, it's a damn shame. We couldn't do this uh, with vacation season on Uh, our buddy, Tommy. Not uh, once with the Patriots, the most unhappy 8-0 quarterback in the history of football in 2019. He was conspiring with the Dolphins to try to get himself to Miami for the 2019 season and did it also as a member of the Super Bowl, eventual Super Bowl champion Buccaneers in 2020. The Dolphins lose a 2023 number one, a 2024 number three. Steven Ross is fined $15 million and suspended until the middle of October. And uh, Brady's good buddy, uh, Bruce Beal, and it was minus 140. I was going to call him Bradley Beal, but Bruce Beal is uh, also suspended. He's going to have to sell his, his chunk of the Dolphins, but I'm pretty fucking despicable by Brady. Yeah, he's, um, he's you know, he's essentially what? He's Kyrie Irving with seven times as many rings and slightly weirder uh, points of view about the world, I guess. You know, it, it's really fucked up that... And of course he gets what I think amounts to a free pass again, because nothing, no, no sanction for Brady on. Yeah. And, and, and not even, not even the actual, you know, punitive measures, but literally like the media and fans don't care because people don't like bill and bill was, didn't give him anything other than, you know, the two best wide receivers, or, you know, if you think, um, that Sanu wasn't uh, as good as, as Sanders, but it, sure. Uh, you know, they gave him the two best, uh, t- two or three best wide receivers on the market that year. Um, poor guy. Um, he really, yeah. he really had it. He really had it bad here. Um, and it is, it is Parcelsian what he did. He, he literally was conspiring with a division rival, but not just you know, during Super Bowl week which we know about, but uh, throughout the season, apparently. And as the know, quarterback of the defending world champion, it's, it's really unbelievable and it's unforgivable. And, and anybody who's still, and I'm, I'm using a uh, appeal to, to majority here, but uh, anybody who's still on board with him, is just, it, it, it's flabbergasting to me. What a fucking asshole. John in the car, your thoughts on being uh, a mom with Tom Brady. I knew you were coming right to me on that. <laughs> the way Mike on route one set it up. Uh, you know, we talked, this is, Again, the file under Irish Catholicism slash team mom, uh, you know, mortal sin negotiating with the Dolphins during the season. All sins are forgivable if you show true penance in your heart. 
there is an opportunity for Brady, I think, to to win back the the hearts of of oh, his many many sakes. fans over the years. I'm having a hard time having a hard time casting him out with the sodomites from the one room Hilton that he had in Foxborough. What, um, Irish Catholicism, John. What about Irish Alzheimer's? It's almost like they I don't know. share That's, the same blood. You, you you've got that. You've got that in spades, bro. I mean, it's like I I I. I so many great memories with Brady. I really am having a hard time with this, to be honest, because I don't feel like I disagree with anything that Mike on Route One said. I do feel like what he did was was really unforgivable. But man, I just can't help but see like these Brady highlights of his, you know, his performances and his games and like the the memories of watching him deliver and like being my favorite player. And and it's it is tough. Like I've never, you know, file under never vouch, right? You know, it's uh, there's something That's, to be said for that. You know, it's something to be said for that because it's like this one really does suck. It really does suck. And he hasn't said anything about it except what his dad told Tom Curran. Uh, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in that at all. But I would like to know, you know, and maybe we'll never know. Maybe he'll do the sit down with Jim Gray someday. Who knows? But, you know, it's like uh, this, this is tough. I, I yeah, seriously, I, I I'm having a hard time being as angry about it as I should be. Let's put it that way. Scarzi, how much of this would you attribute to the yappa yappa from the Brazilian broad? Brazilian German broad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a, you know there's a, there's a lot of the yappa yappa. And wh- where is he now? He's not in he's not in training camp, is he? Uh, I didn't get to take two weeks off from this podcast. Well, we, we did take some <laughs> weeks off, but that's that is neither here nor there. But yeah, where is Tom? Where is Tommy? Uh, no one nobody knows nobody knows but it's good that he's away we've made the, the we've collectively made the point in our show thread dan is like and, and mike alluded to it a short time ago belichick's greatest achievement may not be the six titles and the nine super bowls that he's gotten the team to it's keeping that loon within the team concept and being a, a, imagine what he's like behind closed doors for 20 years maybe bill maybe bill was right to want to push his ass out the door Right. That's that's like the most freeing thing is that we're finally getting a different side of the story. You know, it, it was a very one sided story from the media, especially they, they when as soon as Brady started having success in Tampa, then they added to it and said, well, Brady must have been the only reason why there was any success. But we would never hear anything about how difficult it must have been for for Belichick to deal with this this guy, whether it was uh, Guerrero or, you know, just just on and on with with some of the things with Brady. Um, and you can tell that it's it's the media is backpedaling here because there's they're still trying to hold on to that narrative. But it's it's still one of these. Well, of course, what Brady did was bad. But and then they go into some uh, speculation about how Bill drove him to it. And actually what John said, you know, makes a lot of sense because you don't it's, it's tough to go back if we're, we're all going to go back and watch a lot of those games again. And you don't want to have it reframed with the villain. <laughs> you right. know, you want to right. still be able to hold on to those 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 fond memories, and you know, don't don't want to think all this time. Oh, here's this asshole that's that's leading the team. Um, but but that said, you know, it's I I like that there's a different ver- the different story that's being put out there. Oh, oh, here's one. You know, Chris Gasper, who's always he's always the needle needle for me. He's the worst. He is. He's the worst. So he had the balls to say that the fans weren't looking at this with with proper context, you know, 
after that, what was the quote that he had? He had uh, what's the what's context? Me, Your head up Gasper's what, ass? What's a joke to me is the lack of context the general public applies to issues and discussions as it just looks as, at the newest, shiniest object put in front of it. There was only one story being put out after Brady left, and it was how Belichick drove him to it and how the Patriots screwed it up. And this was the only guy for success. We finally have some context. We have some new context yeah. to, to frame this whole thing. And, and I was, uh, was Gasper negotiating with the return to the Boston Globe when he was still with WCVB? <laughs> I'm just asking the question. Oh, per perfectly done, Scartelli. What if you think about it? What a world! If we went back, if current day, if your current day self goes back to October of 2004, can you imagine in October 2004 after Game Six, you loathing Kurt Schilling and going back after Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl against the Falcons? <laughs> okay, Mike, that's fine. And going back uh, to after Super Bowl 51 when they came from 28 to three behind you, and you're, and you're just done with Brady. Going me, Johnny, you know, I'll admit it. Go back to uh, 1986 and tell me I wouldn't. I hate Roger Clemens. I had to fought you. I mean, it gets, I guess there's a lesson yeah. there to be learned, and it's that uh, I never, never get to know your heroes for real. Ne purpose. Never vouch. Never vouch. Yeah, that's. I guess that is the the overarching narrative. All right. Is, so Tommy uh, goes to the bottom of the list for the red jacket. Well, one up from the bottom of the list. One up from Parcells. He never goes that <laughs> level. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, it's, speaking of which, it's not on the list, but uh, Mike, James White, retired, hip injury, all-time great Patriot. Where do you rank him in terms of uh, the, the Patriots' pass-catching backs? Uh, yeah, I, I take him. I do take him over, over Falk. Falk was really good, and you know, he played in the kicking game as well. Um, but if you know, I think if we're talking, um, you know, the, he just played so, so big at the biggest times um and he was just so i i just felt like if they had him out there um it was just such a an added security blanket uh for the for the quarterback and it was he was just a, a, a you know a, we say this a lot but you know that guy's the perfect patriot he, he yes. was i haven't heard what bill if bill i'm assuming bill spoke about him this evening um, and I, I haven't seen yet, but you know, that's a guy who kind of, you know, and you know, Greg Bernard was, uh, I shouldn't say his name, but, uh, he, uh, he was still you know, tweeting that, uh, James White, always, a always a, what a shoe string tackle, tackle away, away. during, during the Super Bowl, but his, his goodness as a player had already quite been well-established the real um, MVP of Super right. Bowl 51. Yes. Yeah. And he, um, he also, you know, he, he came, but he did come into that league that first year and he was, that, you know, he was pretty bad. Like he was just like, he just would fall down. And I think Bill's kind of talked about that in the past, but great player. What, what a player. Scarzi, is it Falk or is it white for you? The best uh, pass catching back they've had in the, uh, the Brady Belichick era. Oh, it's, it's one and one a, I think with, uh, with white at, uh, at the one position there, but anytime you've got someone who can pull off the great, uh, you know, direct snap pass and, you know, oh, yes. in for the, uh, that, that's a, that's a great play. And, you know, and again, you know, we we don't need to uh, we don't need to say this, but uh, Brady would always sell the direct snap, uh, you know, gadget play real well, which which came in came in darn handy a few times during the past uh, 
20 years. Yeah, the symmetry between San Diego Fox, game. San, yeah, I, I just, we, great, to, we were obligated to mention San Diego division. I, you you correct, beat correct. me to it. The direct snap for the <laughs> deuce in San Diego in the, the great escape act in the divisional game in 2000, uh, January of 07. And of course, the book beating San Weiss Diego is always nice. Oh, that was it. The Patriots. Mankins murdered. Mankins murdered Stephen. I think was it Stephen Cooper, the linebacker, maybe on that play. It's a great. There's a great end zone view of that. And did you ever fear for one second Phil Rivers? No, he was always going to shit his pants. But I, the, the, I I do miss Phil Rivers at four four at all six. At what six fifty eight on a on a Sunday night? I miss I, I it was the greatest thing ever. I've I've seldom enjoyed things more than than, than the Phil Rivers experience on a Sunday evening. It was just like it was like you knew something funny was going to happen, and it usually did. And we didn't have to root for him either. John, is it is it Falk or is it White for you? Man, I gotta it's it's the you know the tiebreaker is what game stands out, and I gotta go with the Super Bowl against the Falcons. I mean, it was just such an epic performance. But again, it's like like Scarcy said, one and one A. I mean, we we're they were both marvelous players and just the epitome of like Patriot culture, you know, and you think about Patriot culture, it's like it's those guys, it's Matt Slater, it's you know, it's it's everything that Belichick talks about with the team orientation. A guy like James and plus James White, like you said, Mike on Route One, it's you know, he wasn't much when he started, and obviously to, he had to work his ass off to get to the level he played at. And how could you not respect that? I mean, just the quintessential Patriot. All right, Dan, you have the final say. Um, you're running Falk or White? Yeah, I don't want to fall victim to recency bias, but it's it's White for me too. I mean, I, the bigger game, it just just like John was saying. Um, you know, what does it say that we've the Patriots have had such a bevy of of great uh, third down backs? through the yeah. years I mean, not just not just Falk and white but 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 Vereen and and woodhead and uh, i guess you, if you count burkhead is that kind of role lewis and lewis forget oh, about yeah. lewis god yeah lewis was ter- lewis was a terrific player probably i would say the highest ceiling on all the players was lewis in terms of physical talent and white and Falk were the most consistent um, i think the overarching point that i would want to make is that the media seizes a lot on the Patriots' inability to draft receivers, which, of course, is, you know, again, recency bias with Nikhil Harry. But think about all those good backs they've had. Harris, Stevenson, uh, they've done a really good job of that. They drafted White. He had the the red shirt year and certainly turned out to be uh, an all-time Patriot. So uh, Bon Voyage, James White. The one thing I forgot, I want just want to mention it, I forgot to mention during the whole uh, the Brady uh, tampering stuff when he's looking to, to get out. I said, I thought it was really interesting and really scummy and questionable that the NFL whitewashed over Brian Flores's uh, complaint that the NFL, uh, excuse me, Stephen Ross uh, wanted to bribe him to lose, lose games to try to uh, improve the draft position of the Dolphins. And that's something, that, especially with everything, the sports uh, betting coming online, the NFL going hand in hand to reap the benefits of that. I thought that was, uh, that's whitewashing of the, of the highest order. Hey, um, let me just say, it, it's just a reminder that the real thugs in the business are at the NFL offices and among the owners. Yeah. 345 Park Ave is, is a, uh, is truly accessible. And that's, that's a club Bob Kraft wants in. He desperately is seeking the approval of those assholes and the Patriots and the saints were the aggrieved parties. There was also tampering with the dolphins, on trying to land Sean Payton while he was under contract 
with the Saints before his retirement. So the Dolphins organization has always been one of my least favorite purely for on the field stuff and, and hating Marino and Shula growing up and Shula's caterwauling was during 2007. But uh, yeah, the Dolphins are the scumbags that the, the Patriots were purported to be. Um, all right, let's pivot away. It all comes back to baseball, Danny. Um, anyone watching the captain, the Derek Jeter hagiography? Man, what an electric personality that Jeter is, huh? I he mean... Is, he is simply an electric personality. It's, it's, it's I, I, it just, again, don't get to know your heroes. Not that he was ever my hero, but I think uh, the great Dr. Evil summed up uh, Derek Jeter's personality best. You're the Diet Coke of evil. Just one calorie, not evil enough. Holy shit, what a human dial tone Jeter is, John, huh? Well, I took your advice and I picked up I picked it up at episode five, which started with the 2004 American League Championship Series. And, you know, that's is uh, that's where I would recommend anybody who hasn't watched it. Pick it up there. Watch about 15 minutes and call it a day. I ended up watching uh, episodes five and six. And yeah, it's it's really boring. It is. And you said hagiography, and it is absolutely the video hagiography put on by his Players Tribune, uh, directed in part or at least consulted by Spike Lee and probably a gang of his buddies. And it is like, oh, my goodness, it is so freaking boring and dry. And like, I can't I can't. There's a couple things that popped out that I'm happy to get into, but I'll, I'll kick it to somebody else because it, it's just it's definitely no vouch for John, once. John, John's trying to get get us canceled here by, by saying Spike Lee and gang within a few words of each other. Spike, we, we love you. Man. We're huge fans. Huge fans. <laughs> Part of the hagiography, the hagiography industrial complex. Yeah. I would, Mike, I would characterize the Jeter documentary as uh, this is the tagline for the back of the VHS tape. Aggressively uninteresting. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, I thought, I thought the last dance struggled and, and I don't think that um, someone's, uh, you know, involvement with producerial responsibility is necessarily indicative of what the quality might be. Um, you know, uh, Petty was fairly cooperative with Peter Bogdanovich's um, uh, documentary about the, the Tom and the Heartbreakers. So, uh, you know, I, I'd be uh, a hypocrite if I, if I criticize it on those grounds. And I found, I found the last dance to be fairly moderately interesting, but nothing. Not also, there was no, there was no new, we were in the middle of a right, global pandemic. Right. There was, I think that's exactly what it was. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I thought, and I thought the Twitter reaction to it was, was a bit much. I, it, it was a bit over the top. Uh, this is, is just, unbelievably unnecessary he is he really is just not a very interesting guy and you know I, I i do have some bias i didn't watch the most recent um brady documentary but i thought that tom versus time wasn't um completely uninteresting um i, I just i do think the you know, baseball doesn't particularly lend itself as well to maybe football and, and basketball um just by the, the nature of the game to this sort of uh approach so th that's kind of a, a part of it, but man, it is, it is really boring, but can we, and I really just want to talk about this too, because I just, I, I probably wanted to just talk about uh, how, how great Nomar was and that Nomar was better. And he had yes. the, 
the same war, the same same war as Bonds from '97 to 2000, and a higher war than Griffey and Jeter. So uh, I just think we we need to we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that and and how wonderful um, steroids are, but also how. <laughs> how bad they are when they rip your, your muscles from your, your body from, from the bone, but that's okay. We, we love Nomi. For Ta- Fernando Tatis Jr. agrees. Scartelli, I thought it was, you know, what bothered me? If, if you, I know you caught a little bit here and there of the, of the, the captain hagiography. I get this sense that human dial tone Jeter is sitting on a chair in front of a camera, magic, picturing himself as Michael Corleone in Under Armour settling all family business over the sports writers that wronged him and people that wronged him through the years. By the way, Jeter, great job making A-Rod almost look sympathetic. But he, Jeter got to have the last word on all of this and, and still, still managed to be, eh, okay. I mean, it's, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even put it on and you know, washing the dish, loading the dishwasher. Um, it, it just it didn't move the needle for me at all. Like I said, I've been watching it in bits and pieces, you know, catch as catch can. And the the, the very title, the captain, no, no one cares about who a captain is on a baseball team. Somali pirates don't care who the captain is the way that sports writers care about who a captain is on a baseball team. So that's just, you know, foolishness, number one. But essentially, I've, I've got to agree. It's uh, it's a documentary equivalent of a... Uh, unnecessary dive into the stands after catching the ball in fair ground. Not nearly a good a catch as pokey race. Um, Scartelli, I want to throw the, uh, John Henry wants to throw a challenge flag about uh, naming a captain in a team because when they put the Red Sox, put the C on Veritex Jersey merch was flying out the doors. <laughs> Dan, do you know what, you know what the Jeter hagiography made me r- angry for what we should have been watching 15, 10, 15 years from now with Brady and the Patriots. Hopefully we'll get that with Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, Belichick being a huge fan of history and uh, NFL films in general. But uh, your thoughts on on the Jeter uh, stuff? Well, you couldn't pay me to watch the Jeter stuff, but I've got a slight theory on the, on the Patriots one because it just never ended. So they couldn't, they couldn't start making anything on it because it never ended. Yeah, Michael Hawley wrote a book in 2004. Go ahead. I cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was done. That was it. All right. Um, hey, I, hold on. Before you before you kill this topic, I do want to throw out two things that I did like. All right. One is I got to tip my hat to Jeter on his management of his personal life. Right. And it came out a little bit in episode five, the whole gift basket thing, whether it's true or not. But I will say the dude was single in New York and his in the peak of his prime and like never had that back page sort of drama, right? And I, I gotta, I gotta say, I respect that. Number two, I thought Brian Cashman came off great. I don't know if Jeter was trying to, you know, using your term, Mike, you know, settle in family business with Cashman. I thought Cashman came off terrific in negotiating that last contract with Jeter. Pretty much everything Cashman said uh, proved out to be accurate, including the line of, uh, um, oh God, what was it? It was. Uh, uh, drink the reality potion. Drink the reality potion, Derek. See if you can get a better deal anywhere else. It was absolutely Belichickian. And, uh, you know, what happened? Jeter had one good year and then got hurt in the playoffs. And that was it, right? I mean, they did was, the same thing with Bernie Williams and with Rivera, too. Yeah. And, and they were, and they were proven right on, on everything. It's like, you know, Belichick chased off Bernie Kosar. He never started a game anywhere else. 
You know, it's like you got to make those calls. Otherwise, you get stuck missing the playoffs in Derek Jeter's last year because he's like arguably the worst regular in Major League Baseball hitting second all season because he refuses to go down in the order, which also came out in the documentary. So, you know, did he settle family business? Eh, I guess. But, you know, a couple things popped for even Yankee fans to probably wince at. Never forget John, that the never forget the best shortstop in the Yankees was playing third base. John, I have three words for you regarding his his private life, though, and I don't begrudge a man for wanting his asshole eaten, but non disclosure <laughs> agreement. <laughs> but again, again, we're, like we're, the guy, we're, the guy's we're like, over some a, big things here. He, he's he's breaking new ground for for the professional athlete of the 21st century. I tip my hat to that, and and I and I put in the group thread, you know, one of my favorite lines from back in the day, and we're all old enough to remember Charlie the Sheen. Heidi Fleiss, Charlie Sheen thing, and Charlie Sheen got pinched, you know, with the Heidi Fleiss black book. And people said to him, Charlie, you're a Hollywood star. Why do you have to pay to have sex? He goes, I don't have to pay to have sex. I pay him to leave. And I'm like, that's the gift <laughs> basket. That's the gift basket. It's like, here's your gift basket. Here's the NDA. My car will take you home. You know, leave, leave, the, leave the contract with the driver. I mean, I, I, I got to tip my hat at that. It's very innovative. And who broke that story? It wasn't the, the, the allegedly tough New York sports media who just oh, no. worships at the altar of Captain Kalmai's. By the way, that contract Jeter was looking for, John, do you think it was maybe three steps to his left? That joke pays $2.10, <laughs> and that's why you couldn't find it. But the alleged- $2.10 on a $20 bet, bro. That's, that's true. <laughs> but it is the, the tough New York media. They are all lapdogs. They are perpetuating this myth of Jeter, obviously he's a terrific player. First ballot. Oh, no, it was, it was the fame. real, it was the real New York media that broke that story. Page six. Yeah, page six. Yeah, God, God, God bless the post. Uh, All right, just one last thing here. I want to go back to something that uh, Mike on Route One said about uh, missing the last Brady documentary. Well, don't worry, they like buses. There'll be another one. That's true. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Point. Uh, Mike, Mike on Route One. Uh, Dan Scarzi and I have had our say. Kevin Durant, what do you think? Uh, I would say, look, he's, he's obviously, uh, a little tough to manage. He's getting up there in age. He'll be 34, what October or soon. Um, but I mean, he is, and I, I thought he looked creaky, uh, in the playoffs, but not, not particularly. So just not what he was. He just didn't, you know, he played a lot of minutes <laughs> to get to the playoffs, um, to even to, to get them, to get them there. So, but all that being said, I, anytime you can get a generational player with, I think at least, you know, three good years left and also, you know, probably maybe, you know, four or five, given that he can have some of that weight taken off by playing with a, a young superstar and you, you can trade a guy that can't dribble um, for him. And I like Jalen Brown, but I, I, you know, this is what I think about. I think about if the Celtics had won game six and they were going to game seven and uh, the Celtics uh, brain trust had to choose a, a player other than, um, you know, obviously Tatum that they, they had to sit, they had to sit one of the starters in game seven would Jalen is Jalen Brown, their second choice to be the guy that, that they would choose that they had, if they could, they had to sit one of those guys or would they say, no, we need some, we need Marcus. We need, um, you know, we, we need Rob. I, I just, I feel like 
I don't know the answer to that, but I'm I I think there's a world where they answer. You know, there's other guys that we we need more than him, and. I think he, he, he played well in the playoffs at times, but it was maddening to watch him. And certainly in the finals, you know, he wasn't drawing the double teams that Tatum was. So I, I, I think it's kind of a, I would absolutely do it. I don't want to give up smart to do it. I don't, no. I, I, you know, but if the main pieces are, um, are Durant and, and Brown, and I don't care. And at that point, I don't care how many future picks they'd have to get up to do that because I think you're giving yourself a, three or four year window. Um, and even if he is crazy, so what I, 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 I take the chance. Um, and I know that burned them pretty well with, with Kyrie, but I, I think he's a different kind of, um, as, as Andy Gresh once said regarding Belichick and Peyton, a different kind of cat. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I, a hundred percent do it. Does him wanting to leave out of Golden State, does that worry you at all? And then he's walking out of his handpicked situation in Brooklyn. Is is it? Yeah, is, is, absolutely. Is it just generational that we don't get this? Yes, we, absolutely. Uh, 100% we don't get it. So, um, and, I, and I, I don't I don't accept it, but I think it's just part of the calculus. And I can, I, I'm able to hold my nose because I think he is, he's that good. And I think, again, um, maybe I'm, I'm patriotsing this a little bit too much in, in thinking that, the infrastructure that they have with the coach, with the the front office there now, um, I think it's a healthy situation, a healthier situation than um, than than Brooklyn is. And I just think there was too many. And maybe this is a Bill Simmons analysis. It just it wasn't the best personality fit there for him in Golden State with um, with everything going on. And he is a, he's a, he's a rabbit eared yeah he's a rabbit eared um, weirdo. But yeah, I don't I, think I he was going to last. He wasn't going to last that long with Draymond. I'm not sure there's a personality on the Celtics that would uh, act the same way. John, I think before I ask you about Durant against Brown, um, Jalen has two years left on his contract. Do you think he's a max or a super max player after this deals up? Well, well, I think that's the exact context that hasn't really been fleshed out on this enough. It is, you know, if I thought Jalen could fit here and would stick around long-term that affects the way I think about it. If I think Jalen's here for two more years, then I absolutely would make this trade. So like it's, you'd have to ask, you know, Brad Stevens and the rest of the front office. I mean, only they have a, the instincts on what the future looks like, but you know, I'm reminded of the Vin Diesel line in fast and furious. You know, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And in the NBA, that seems to be a pretty good way to live. So I'd be, I'd be comfortable, but this is, this is the kind of deal that's made for the sports talk shows because it's really easy to argue either side of it with conviction and with good arguments. But I like what Mike once said about the double team aspect. Like you really can't, you can't double team both of those guys. Right. And Tatum is the only double teamable guy on that roster. Um, it, it would be, I'd be curious what you think about the way their games fit together. I think they'd be pretty seamless in how they fit, but yeah, I, I would do this deal. And, and you're right. I, I think, Brown's looking at a super max sort of deal. You got Tatum be on a super max sort of deal. How do you fit it all together at that point? You know, you're, you're living on rookie contract ish type stuff right now. So it's a, I, I think it's a good risk worth taking. And those future number ones, you know, you're looking at the 30th overall pick. That's not worth anything. I, yeah, I think the, uh, what I, I think the golden state experience that Durant had, would point very positively towards him fitting in well on the Celtics. 
because he didn't have to have the ball all the time. There were a lot of mouths to feed on that Warriors team, and he's 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 a legit seven footer. On top of that, too, they can go small with him at the five and uh, him and Rob at the four and the five. Uh, Dan, you you want to chime in? Yeah, for the two that were just answering, uh, what what's the deal breaker for you? I mean, is is Smart being part of the a necessary part of the trade? Would that be a deal breaker? Aren't you just bidding against yourself at that point? I mean, I, I do not want Hart, excuse me, I don't want Durant to go to Philly. And if there's a way that Philly can manage to, to land Durant, I mean, you have to do everything you can to prevent that from happening, right, Mike? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I'm all I'm all about the concentration of efficiency in one player in basketball, unlike football. So uh, you know, I I, I don't want to give up smart um just because i think he's especially now where they can i think they can there's a bit of a death lineup uh, option here um with brogdon um and playing those guys together i just man that's just it's really appealing even without without durant that's that's super appealing to me um so i don't know if i i i don't know i guess it's it, that's hard that's a hard one I think you lose, you just lose so much flexibility defensively. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I love, I love Marcus. Yeah, I, I love Marcus. That's a tough loss. But, I think, you know, Philly fans seem to think Tyrese Maxey is the best player on the market in exchange for Durant. So, you know, do you have to throw in more than Jalen Brown? I don't know. Maybe you do. I, I just, I wouldn't want it to be smart. Yeah, I just, I mean, the one place I would definitely would not want him to wind up, and it, it sounds like it's not going to, is Miami because of the, the NBA contract rules and having uh, the, the contracts with the drafts. So um, there, I don't think there's any wrong answer. Training camp, excuse me, the first game is uh, about 60 days away from our recording. So Celtic season right around the corner, NFL season kicking off right around the corner. All right, it's not going to be a, 20, a latter half of 2022 in Titletown uh, without – talking about Top Gun. John, you, you took your wife to go see Top Gun with your oldest. Uh, what's your review? Oh, it was, it was phenomenal. I, I couldn't stop talking about it after seeing it. And I listened to the pod that you, you all did on it, um, but I listened to it obviously delayed after I'd seen it, right? It took me a while to see it. I had to wait for the $5 Tuesdays. And uh, it, was, it was so worth it. It was, um, I mean, we, had, and we also prepped for it by watching the original. And like I would, I'm so pissed. I didn't get to join that pod that you all did on it. Um, the one thing you missed, if I would add anything to it was the Val Kilmer scene. Yeah. And it was just absolute chills. Um, the, the movie had me from the, from the jump with the danger zone and kind of recreating that original opening and seeing it in the theater with the kind of the explosive noise around you. Uh, but then seeing Val Kilmer on stage and, you know, we kind of grew up, I mean, Val Kilmer's, I mean, about the same age as us, um, you know, seeing him like that, uh, it was just, it was pretty, it was pretty remarkable. And what I'll say about Tom Cruise, he's, he's, he's crazier than Brady, right? He's crazier than Brady married to three Giselles, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like, but then you, you watch him in a film like that, and you forget how crazy he is. And then you see, how just marvelous an actor he is and, and the emotion that he conveyed. I think Mike on route one, you made a point about when he was on the motorcycle, right. Doing yeah. the, doing yeah. the runway. Yeah. And I had the same reaction watching it. I was like, I just had this, this like almost this connection with him. Like, 
oh my God, he is so happy to be doing this. And I'm enjoying the fuck out of watching it. And it was like, and then the scene with Kilmer, you could just feel that emotion between the two of them. I just, I was totally enthralled by it. It was, I, I can't imagine I'll have a better movie viewing experience the rest of the year going into next year. I just can't get over how good it was. Mike, how many times have you seen it now? Uh, four. Um, I saw it four times. And, uh, you know, the third and fourth time, I really thought that the, um, uh, the reunion um, on the deck um, with Rooster hit, hit more um, those couple times. And I thought that worked uh, extremely well. The first couple times, I didn't care as much about it. I just was trying to, you know, okay, what's coming next? Um, and I, I really thought it worked well. Um, and it just, it's, yeah, John's right. It's the best. I, I mean, I, I don't anticipate having a better movie experience. I would agree. I don't know that. when, I, I don't know when a, a long, a long, long time. So yeah, fantastic. Scarzi, I'm going to give you some odds here. Who's had more work done? Tom Brady is a minus 115 favorite over Tom Cruise. Who are you betting? I got to go. I got to go with, uh, got to go with age there. So I'm going to go with uh, Tom Cruise. All right, bold, bold, uh, bold pick over the athlete who's been engaged in contact sports for uh, most of his life. Uh, Mike and Route One, uh, we're going to wrap this up. So uh, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, so I just I have a couple thoughts here. The first is um, we would be remiss uh, if we didn't mention that today we lost the great uh, Wolfgang Peterson. Um, I I hate Das Boot. I don't I don't like reading when I watch movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, for the most part, Life is Beautiful is a great movie, but I don't I didn't do subtitles. I didn't watch Squid Game or anything like that. But um, in the line of fire, fucking unbelievable movie. Clint Malkovich. Uh, Rene Russo throwing gas. What a what a goddamn movie! One of the one of the great villains of all time. Um, I if you haven't seen that, I would encourage you to watch it. And I like that guy's a good director, man. I, Air Force One, I, I like it. It is '90s high concept. Uh, doesn't take itself too seriously. Seems to like sports. Um, keeps keeps the, <laughs> keeps the keeps plane the in the air. Moving along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I like that guy. That guy's a good director. Um, the other thing I have is. Uh, this is this is specifically uh, the 15. I have a uh, I'm throwing the gauntlet down. I want Tyler Brickner, a.k.a. Warren Sharp. I want him canceled, canceled by the end of the week. And I, I you guys have done it before. And, and I have, have faith you can do it again. We got our best people on it. Believe me. Uh, <laughs> Top men. <laughs> All of us. Scartelli, uh, your final thought. Oh, sure. As long as we're discussing the cinema. I managed to get myself to the uh, theater and oddly enough, nothing terrible happened with uh, the 15 or anything like that. Uh, there were no hires or fires while I was in the theater for two hours. <laughs> so I got to go see bullet train. I only see movies about methods of transportation nowadays. <laughs> and I've got to say that uh, I'm, I'm a tiny bit disappointed in that uh, it does appear that uh, Michael Shannon has been typecast as a uh, tightly wound authority figure with a propensity <laughs> for violence. But otherwise, it's an enjoyable flick. I would uh, there's going to be not much coming out for another uh, another month or so, at least. So if you've got uh, if you've got the time and the inclination, bullet train. All right, that's a Scartsy. Scartsy recommends Bullet Train, and all of us uh, recommend Top Gun. John, do you have anything you want to wrap up with? 
Well, first of all, Scarcy's intro better include the movie loft music. That's a shout out to Shaq <laughs> to make that happen. Uh, second, I, I got to go run the hills uh, at training camp. I called him Taekwon Thompson. It's Taekwon Thornton. I don't know. That's a that's a dad move. Manny DiNardo, Lenny Del Carmen. Uh, I got to run a lap on that one. So that was it. They'll always be. They'll always be. Lenny Del Carmen and Manny DiNardo. Anyway, that's all I got. I have one more question for the California Irons family. Five dollar movie Tuesdays. What are you operating on? Doug Kide's budget? <laughs> Times are tough. I gotta wait. I gotta wait for it to get to five dollar Tuesdays. All right. Uh, big if true. Dan, do you have anything you want to uh, make as a last point? Sure. So a couple things. Um, one was a, a positive article I saw. Um, granted, this was after this was current and this was after he was uh, wondering just like everybody else about who's going to be making the calls. And he was calling out everything that was happening in camp, but he did have one enterprising article this week, which was uh, he interviewed uh, Ed McCaffrey about what is, why is the outside zone offense so hard to master? Yes. And it's like, that was great. You know, that's, that's the type, instead of talking about why this isn't working or what's not happening, how about an article about what, what are they trying to accomplish? You know, what, what are the, what are the advantages? What, why would this work well with uh, the Patriots personnel, those type of things, you know, put some thought to it and, and come up with a story that nobody's thought of yet. Uh, the other thing was uh, I was thinking about the receivers. John was just mentioning Tyquan Thornton. And uh, so one of the easiest pot shots to take at the Patriots the last few years is about uh, Nikhil Harry. I think we can all agree that, yeah, they, they screwed that one up. And, and Thanks, we can Tommy. All, we can all uh, list the litany of receivers that came afterwards, whether it was Debo Samuel or A.J. Brown or Metcalf or Deontay Johnson, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, but now that he's uh, getting hurt in somebody else's training camp, they've, they've, uh, the people have turned their attention to Thornton. And I don't, I couldn't understand why, because from all accounts, everything that, that was going on in campus, he's been uh, lighting the world on fire. He's, he's getting out of his cuts quick and he's, and he's beating corners uh, out of, off of the line, et cetera. But the one that I, I, I noticed was one of the PFF idiots who had brought up a, a tweet quoting two sources. So he had Troy Brown saying that Thornton has a long, long way to go. And then he had Deontay Johnson saying that George Pickens for the Steelers taking a couple picks afterwards was a freak and a special talent. So we're off to the races again, yep. except that, you know, what else is, is a Patriots coach going to say about a rookie other than he's got a long, long way to go. Yeah, it's a teammate perspective against the, a coaching perspective. The coach is supposed to be critical. The teammate's supposed to be supportive. To your first point about uh, the zone run game, we've watched the Patriots the last 20 years. Isn't Wasn't it fucking annoying watching the Broncos with Shanahan run the ball against them? God, they always the, the Broncos always ran the ball well against everybody and even against Belichick's terrific defenses uh, in the early 2000s. Um, my final thought, um, Malcolm Butler was placed on injured reserve today. Um, it, there's certainly a possibility for a, a cornerback and defensive back of his age that uh, that may be it for him. He did sign a two-year contract, and he's on IR this year, so there is a possibility that he could return next year. Um, 
we've alluded to this before, but he's obviously one of the, the great plays in Super Bowl history. It holds a pretty good significance for all of us, particularly uh, my brother in California. We were together for that game, so that was that was really, really special. One of the few games that we've been able to watch over the last uh, 20 or so years. So that was pretty special. Uh, wrapping up with a Seattle weather forecast, highs are going to be in the 80s. Uh, sunny for the entirety of the 10 days. Uh, we have my good friend Dildo Brian will be coming over from the eastern side of the state to, to play Chambers Bay and a couple of other golf courses in the area. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll apply extra uh, suntan oil. Um, thanks, you gentlemen, for joining us uh, for the podcast. It's good to get the gang back together. We're going to uh, like to record at least once more before the season begins. Um, and certainly, if something happens with the Durant stuff, uh, the Durant Brown stuff um, to the Celics, we'll uh, see if we can pull off some kind of emergency podcast. I would advise you to please keep your radios in the uplocked and off position, and we will see you again soon. Take care. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, Vinny J sent in an email. I wanted to acknowledge it. Vinny heeded my call to send us an email, and he wants us to discuss, consider doing a podcast on the 85 Patriots, which has been on our feet a little bit lately. Uh, That's something that John and I would would love to do. Maybe we'll just have a a short discussion of it some other time. But Vinny, thank you for sending the emails. Entitledtown at gmail.com. You know the Twitter account. You know our individual Twitter accounts. And uh, once again, keep your radios in the off and upright position. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball. What do you see when you're in the dark and the demons come? I see you standing over the grave of another dead president. That's not going to happen. Clint Eastwood is in the line of fire.